Welcome to the Horrible Movie Podcast. This is our midweek episode, but it's a very special midweek episode. We have on this episode an awesome interview with Eric Litwin. Yes, that Eric Litwin, the author of the first four Pete the Cat books, the original author of those books. He also is the writer and author for Groovy Joe, and he has a new book, Groovy Joe Dance Party Countdown. It's coming out September 12th, 2017. He also, oh my gosh, keep rolling, folks. He also wrote the Nut Family series. He's a very talented guy. He plays music. He plays over 300 performances a year. Yeah, you heard me right. 300 performances a year, and he's super talented, singing song. In fact, on this episode, myself um, and Laurie Chester actually sing along with Eric Litwin on this episode. And uh, I'll tell you, folks, if you want some high-quality audio, you've come to the right place. Eric Litwin. After this is over, tune in uh, for another message at the end. But uh, beyond that, ready for Eric Litwin, go to his website, ericlitwin.com. And he's got all of his books there. Audio on this starts right up. We just start talking, folks. Um, we did this um, uh, call-in interview. So we just start talking. And uh, Eric is very engaging and awesome. We talk some, a little bit about movies, and we talk about books and music. It's phenomenal. Talk about his background in education. Love it. So without further ado, here's Eric Litwin on the Horrible Movie Podcast. I taught special needs for many years. And uh, then I taught third, fourth, and fifth grade, and that's how I became focused on early literacy, actually. Cool. That's awesome, and your um, overall, like your 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 music and everything else. I've I've been, I I, I don't want to say I've been uh, really. I I've been kind of uh, watching you online. As awkward as that sounds, Eric. Educating himself. Educating myself <laughs> to what you know to your musical stuff. Uh, I watched your performance as at Link at Lincoln Center. Was that in July? Oh, was that this month? Uh, that was over the. Um, that was about a month ago. Yeah, yeah. that was that was awesome. Like that, you're super musically talented, man. <laughs> we also have musical background too. So um, we all play in the band at our church together, and Jack plays the drums mm -hmm. very well, and oh. I play guitar and sing, and my husband plays bass and guitar. Oh wow, we have a lot in common. You know, um, when I I was a teacher, and. I was a performer for fun. I would uh, play at uh, folk festivals, you know, acoustic rock, um, bars and such. Mm -hmm. I did songwriter. Uh, but I also loved Americana music, folk, blues. Yes. And this, what basically happened is I was teaching third grade, and uh, a lot of my students didn't love reading, and it was special needs. Mm -hmm. And I knew, like, I knew I wasn't going to... You know, I wasn't going to solve all the problems that these children had, but if I could get them to love books and reading, then I will have done something. Right. So I started looking at the situation. Why didn't they love to read? Why didn't they love books? Because I did, you know? And what I came to the conclusion was that when we teach children how to read, 
we focus on two things almost exclusively, and those two things are sight words, recognizing words, and phonetics, sounding words out. And I began to ask, why are we limiting ourselves to these two things? Why don't we have music and movement and call and response and repetition? And I did a lot of research and I thought about it and I came to the conclusion that we can do that. Mm. So yeah. I started adding, first I started adding these things to books that were already written. And then I wanted even more. So I started writing the content myself. And that's really how this whole thing got started. I call it interactive reading or interactive literacy. And it's the basic idea of having multiple ways for the children to successfully read the book. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I am, um, you know, because I'm a children's librarian and, but I became familiar with the first couple of Pete the Cat books that you wrote when our boys got to that age where they really started liking those kind of books. And I loved them. Just, they sing them all the time and it's a mantra in our house. Like if one of them gets upset about something kind of silly, we always say, would Pete cry? And they both say, goodness, no. <laughs> uh, I, I really love optimism and I wanted to yes. include it in my books. Now, I, I, I don't know if you know, but I'll explain to you and your listeners. I am the original author of the Pete the Cat series. Right. Yes. After the original four books, those are the ones you mentioned, white shoes, yes. groovy buttons, talking to my school shoes. Then I left the series, and now I have two other series that I started. One is called The Nut Family, and the other, which is the one I'm working on right now, is called Groovy Joe. <laughs> um, you yeah. have a, 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 a dance party countdown, right? Mm -hmm. It's coming out. Is that September 12th? Is that correct? Yeah, check this out. Disco party. Disco party. Yeah. <laughs> Bow, you say bow, wow, so disco party, bow, wow, bow, wow. So that's how I'll... I love it. Uh, I can't wait. Hey, listen, in this book, you have so many interactive techniques. For one thing, there is music with interactive parts, call and response, mm -hmm. disco party, bow, wow. There's movement, repetition as a form of interactivity. There's rhyme. There's also a knock-knock joke structure built into the book. Here, let me give you an example, okay? Yes, please. All right. Groovy Joe is totally fun. He's a song-singing, tail-wagging party of one. And he sings this song. Okay, you know the song. I'll say disco party. You say bow wow. Disco party. Oh, wow. Go party. Bow wow. Go party. Bow wow. Go party. Bow wow. Knock, knock. Knock, knock. Hey, who's there? One. One who? <laughs> One more dog is going to disco with you. How many dogs are there now? And what's going to happen is Ooh. every addition, for every verse, <laughs> it's going to double. So you're going to go from one dog to two dogs, to four dogs, and and each time the room gets more crowded. Does Joe worry? Hey, no. Of course no. Goodness no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So that's coming out 
in September, and there's a new dance that goes with it, the disco ba- disco party bow wow dance. I love it. Are you going <laughs> to do a, a, a dance contest for this one as well? Well, you know, we've done uh, we did a dance contest right. for not pants and for Ruby Joe uh, for um, keep rolling. Yes. But for this, there's a different contest. Really exciting. It's a book parade. So let me see if I can play this for you. A little snippet. Okay. It the fantastic Scholastic book parade mm. and. What's going to happen is, uh, here, let me punch this in here. Fantastic. Oh, got to turn the internet on. Um, what's going to happen is it's a song I wrote, and students are going to get to uh, basically uh, dance and line up and do a parade in their school to this song called the Fantastic Scholastic Book Parade. And Scholastic will be announcing this very soon. And, cool. and you can win a free school visit. That's awesome. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Let's see. If, yeah, so it's a bluesy song. Um, and it's a lot of fun. So information about that will be coming out. I think it's going to be available um, mid-August. You're um, listening to your music and your style. You have a lot of, am I, am I right to say you said bluesy for this song? You have a lot of blues influence, right? Oh, yeah. Jazz, I, I, jazz, influence, jazz influence, too? Well, you know, I love the um, I love the country blues. Where you got a finger picker going and you're just you're yeah. tapping your foot. Yeah. Like something like that. I yeah. love finger style. Um, in terms of, uh, I do love like a jazzy feel too. So if I was to do um, a children's song like. Um, This old man, he played one, he played knick-knack on my thumb. That's a knick-knack, paddy-whack, give the dog a thorn. This old man came rolling home. So I might add some, you know, seventh chords and things like that. So I just, I just love the music that's kind of evolved out of America from, uh-huh. you know, from the south to the north and the east to the west and um, th- that's just what I enjoy, and so, but I also love disco, so. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Um, You'll hear all those influences. Who, who in- are, yeah, who are your, like, let's say your three biggest musical influences. I know it's hard to encapsulate, I know, but who are your three biggest? You know, um, it's really hard to say because it changes a lot. Cool. Um, you know, who did I sit down and try and sound like? You know, I tried to sound like and write like Bob Dylan, of course, uh-huh. but I've also spent a lot of time listening to the Bee Gees, right. you know? So I really just, I'm all over the place musically, um, and I love, uh, well, have you had a chance to check out The Learning Groove? No, tell us about it. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a music company that I created with my friend Michael, who also did the 
production for all the book, books I've done, including the original Pete the Cat mm-hmm. books, the Family and Groovy Joe. So we have a company together called The Learning Group where we have a pre, well, like zero to five music curriculum based on six award-winning music CDs. That's cool. How, how can yeah. folks, uh, is there a website? How can folks find out about that? Oh, yeah. And not only that, there's a free resource associated with it. Oh, so I just it, love so, that, that all of your books, that you have those free songs and videos and music to go along yeah. with it. I think that's wonderful. Well, you know, I think in today's world, you you want to do a combination. You have to sell some things mm-hmm. because yes. you're living. Yeah. But you don't have to sell everything, right. you know. So the learning groove, um, if you go to, you know, www.thelearninggroove.com and then go to, the, I think it's called the song resource. Mm-hmm. There are 120 songs online. Each one has its own web page where you can stream the music for free. There's guitar chords, there's sheet music, and awesome. there's activity suggestions. And all of these are really fun, interactive songs uh, wow. that you know yeah. people will use at home and in the school. Oh, that's um, perfect. That was one of the questions I was going to ask you about because I just recently started working at the library in March. And since I play guitar, I want to incorporate that with my story times. And that's something I've been looking for is like songs that are familiar to them, but that I can play and sing with them. Jared pulled it up on the website. It looks awesome. Uh, do you see the song resource there? Yes. Okay. Now you're going to have everything. Uh, you're going to have finger play songs. Simple, oh, perfect. Song. You're going to have line dances. Everything that makes for a wonderful interactive experience musically. We've tried to represent. Oh, hey, guess what? We have a new CD coming out. It's called Classical for Kiddos. Cool. Uh, oh, that's awesome. So we're going to take classical music and make it a little more interactive. Let me see if I can give you a sample. Here's Vivaldi Spring. Uh, yes. <laughs> love it. Oh, I love it. Oh. Yeah, let's see if you can hear this. Oh, I will. I'm sure. Okay, one moment. Let's. Uh, so this will be coming out very soon. Okay, here we go. Yeah. So basically, our joke is that, you know, we found out there was music before rock and roll. We Googled it. Uh, <laughs> and supposedly the composers were geniuses. Turns out they forgot to write words. To write <laughs> so we figure we're on it and we might as well make it educational and interactive at the same time. That's Perfect. awesome. Perfect. Um, hey, we're uh, since we are the horrible movie podcast. I would be remiss what? not to ask you: Do you have a horrible movie you've seen, maybe in the theater, and it can be old, current, new, whatever? Can you think of a like maybe an experience you had in the theater, or just the movie in general? Well, I 
don't, you know, I tend to really like horrible movies. Oh, well, uh, no, no. Yes, yes, even but one that you like. Even one you it, like. You tell, love to you, hate you, it. Yeah, or, yeah, that you love because it's just so whatever. So it's I could so list off horrible. a ton of uh, those. So. Well, I love the movie Idiocracy. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah, turning out to be a documentary, it seems. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm... Not that this is a terrible movie, but I, I, it's a great movie. I love the Matrix series. I go back. Yeah. I watch the Matrix a lot. Um, I, what else? Um, I loved the movie Get Shorty. Yeah. So I know I, it's interesting because I don't have a problem with finding things that I, I love even though I can laugh at them. Yes. But I'm not finding any movie like that right now. I guess. Uh, yeah. No, it's yeah. okay. It's all right. Hey, you're talking about idiocracy. I talked about it. I talked about idiocracy a couple weeks ago because it is. It's a movie. Mike, I think is it Mike Judge that did Office Space? Did that movie? I'm trying to probably get that wrong. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And he. Uh, I love Office Space. Have you seen Office Space before, Eric? I have not seen that. Okay. Um, it's it's entertaining as well. Uh, not kid-friendly. Uh, but, of course, Idiocracy, not as much either, correct? So, but, but, yeah. but Idiocracy, um, my favorite part of that whole movie is the idea that Gator, well, it's not Gatorade, whatever sports drink they have in that you know alternate universe there, they're watering the lawn with it because obviously it <laughs> hydrates the best, Eric. Right. So those electrolytes. Yeah, well, yeah. It makes us all better. Electrolytes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It would make sense, right? Yeah. Anyway, so I find it funny that you said that. And the Matrix trilogy, I've talked about that being one of my favorite. I mean, literally, seriously. I like the second one better than the first one, Eric. And a lot of people will be like, what? Well, I'm over the top with the Matrix movie. It's like I'll buy books about the philosophy cool. regarding it and. Yeah, I'll, and I'll I'll talk endlessly about you know the different paradigms and uh, I I mean I just think it's fascinating what they did there and it's such a yeah. it's a movie that provokes thought and I I think ultimately that is the most wonderful thing a movie could do. That's true. Right, and not not just be something you throw away and just go okay well that was a waste of my two hours and I'll never get that two hours of my life back right. Right, right, right. We want to be think. You know, you wanted to uh, introduce ideas. Uh, I think, and I think all good art, whether it's a movie or a children's book or a song, you know, you you want to entertain people because that's important. We all, you know, life is hard, and having a little positive escapism is a good thing, and entertainment's a good thing. But um, ultimately, within that entertainment, you want to. You want to push some ideas forward. You know, you want to introduce some positive ideas. And that's why you'll find all my books, every one of them about optimism. You yes. know, every one of them has a consistent theme of uh, resiliency and optimism. Keep going. Yes. Right. You know? Keep, yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, if, if you can tag off of that, as far as resiliency, when you first decided to go from being an educator to being an author – what at what at what moment did you say I'm putting my foot in the ground and this is what I'm going to do? Just abandonment, almost like yeah. throwing everything in. Well, first of all, it was it was 20 years ago. Okay. It was at the age of 30. And to set it up, I am a um, 
I am a type A overachieving personality, the, uh, OCD all the way, and I'm proud of it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I, I have a master's in public administration and a master's in education, and I was going to become a vice principal, a principal, and then run for political office on an education reform. I, I know it sounds crazy, but this is my personality type. You yes. know, I will yeah. find and create a list of things to do mm-hmm. that will actually make this a, 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 a plan that can be implemented. So um, I was on a career path, but I remember the day that all changed um, when I, um, I was teaching third grade. Uh, my kids were special needs. I was trying to get them to love books and reading. I was trying to break through. And I walked down a hallway. It was a kindergarten classroom. And I saw, I tell this story in my concerts. There was, uh, the teacher said, who wants to read? Mm-hmm. And the excitement in the room, you could feel it. And this little girl ran to the bookshelf and she grabbed her favorite book and she was holding it, hugging it like a baby. I love it. <laughs> I, Then I walked to my third grade classroom and I said, who wants to read a book? And it, they, you know, some said yes, many said nothing and many shook their heads no. And that's when I had that kind of matrix moment where I realized like everything had just changed for me when I asked the question, what happened between kindergarten and third grade? And just like in the matrix they talk about it's the question that drives you crazy it was the same thing that question entered my mind what happened between kindergarten where they love reading and they love books and third grade where so many of my students they no longer loved reading they no longer loved books and then that became my focus and and from that question mm-hmm. everything i'm doing today the original four Pete the Cat books, The Nut Family, Groovy Joe, but also The Learning Groove. And I'm also writing a book about the about early reading. And all of these ideas came from the knowledge that maybe the way we're approaching early literacy is mistaken. Maybe it's too exclusive. Maybe we're cutting off so many of our students because they're not strong at visual learning. Right. And why do this? What is the reason for doing it? Is, is there any research that supports this? No. Is there any? It's just something we do. Well, so, Eric, it's the way it's always been done. So why wouldn't we just keep doing it the way we've always done it, right? Uh, that's Jack's sarcasm. Right. right. I know exactly. But it, it, it is one of those situations. I I love tradition. Right. I respect. Tradition, yeah. and that's why I look at this very seriously. Like, if there is a reason behind the tradition, right. I want to honor that. Right. You know, right. But we live in a society that is changing rapidly. So not only were these ideas necessarily bad to begin with, they <laughs> become worse as you have more and more children who English is a second language. Maybe they have ADD or apraxia or dyslexia or they grew up in an environment that wasn't language rich. Whatever it is, the ideas we had that weren't so great before, those ideas of focusing nearly exclusively on phonics and sight words, they are definitely failing today. 
And, and that's why I feel I'm very happy to have commercial successes. And I've sold like 10 million books. And that's right. a wonderful thing. But there's an idea base behind these. Right. There's a pedagogy. And my real mission is to move, you know, and I'm not the only one saying this. There are a lot of wonderful academics and teachers advocating this same set of ideas. I think what I've done is I've taken these ideas and I've turned them into something you can hold in your hand. I've taken a book and I've made multi-sensory aspects of it the core so that it's not just theory, hey, let's have music and movement. My books have music and movement and rhyme and repetition and prediction built into the very heart of them. Awesome. And you have such a great platform to make such a big difference in that arena of that reading for enjoyment and creating that excitement for those students. And what I'm trying to advocate, Lori, is that not only is this the nice thing to do, it's the smart thing to do. Yes. That the research is clear. The single biggest way for reading scores to go up is for students to read. It sounds like a catch-22, right? I mean, uh, where one... It, the, the best way for children to improve their reading is to read. But in order for that to happen, we need books. When they first pick up a book and engage in independent reading for the first time, they need to succeed. But not because it's a baby book. They need to succeed because there were many ways for them to successfully derive the meaning of that book including phonics and sight words. And I, I mean, I'm a former teacher. I, I, my vocabulary is, is spot on for that age group. Mm -hmm. but, but there are other ways that that two, three, four, five, and even six-year-old can pick up my book. And after they read it, they have that feeling of, I got this. Yes. I can do this. And that's mm -hmm. what I'm looking for. Yes. Yes. If they walk away feeling frustrated they're not going to want to keep coming back to, you know, reattempting those reading experiences. They're going to, you want them to walk away feeling successful and that they had an enjoyable experience. And for that to be authentic and yes. for that to be real. And there's no reason to create artificial uh, environments that generate frustration and feelings of inadequacy. It just doesn't make any educational sense to do that. Yeah. No, no, not at all. And, and you hit it right on the head about reading and, and you have to practice reading. It's like anything else where you have to practice reading to get better at it. The issue has always been, and you hit it right on the head about it, you need to make it something that's not this arduous journey that's just brutally beating them over the head with it every single day <laughs> because you have to diversify how kids learn. I mean, that's just the, the nature. Every kid is uh, different. They, they come about it a different way. And like uh, with your music and just the way you create stories, it diversifies that for them. Would you say that's true? Oh, yes, Jack. And I, I have some information about that on my website, ericlitwin.com. Awesome. I call multi-learning approach. So what this means is with my books, there are many ways to learn it. And what I did is rather than say, as an adult, as a teacher, I'm going to tell you how to read this book, rather than do that, I provide five to 10 ways you can do it. 
then the child self-selects the combination of reading methods that works for them, and that is where the success comes from. We don't have to tell children how to read. We don't need to say, you're going to do this through phonics. We don't have to tell them. We can just provide books that give them a multiple uh multiple choices, they will unconsciously, they don't even know they're doing it, self-select what works for them. And then once the child loves reading, they're going to spend more time reading. They're going to sneak books into their bedroom at night when they're supposed to be going to bed. And that's what you want. And then the reason why it works, as you guys know, because you're musicians, it's practice and immersion. Like, you have to practice things and you have to be immersed in things. I'm not opposed to specific skill development. I, I mean, I have no issues with working with children on uh, improving phonetic awareness. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just don't think there's really that much right about it. Mm. You know, it, it doesn't do that much good. As a supplement, sure. Why not? individually based but the core of success comes from immersion and practice and the motivation for immersion and practice is joy you know and it's happiness and that's why we need I call it happy hopeful readers and that's why it's not just nice it's smart and and we need educated people so that's why you know that's that's the motivation here. I know my books are fun, and you know I have songs called Disco Party Bow Wow, and right. everyone can dance and have a good time, and I want them to. But I also want the parents and educators to know the ideas and the pedagogy behind this so that we can all make positive changes together. You, uh, your, your new book is coming out September 12th. Yes. Uh, the new Groovy Joe book. Uh, tell me about this. This is a personal question about a best-selling <laughs> author. You release this book. What does the next three months of your life look like when you release a book at that level? Well, um, you know, my life has a certain consistency to it because I am a performer as well as a writer yes and I give three to four hundred performances a year Wow I, <laughs> that's your type A personality <laughs> there Eric I love it I go on the road <laughs> ten days out of each year no out of each month I'm on the road ten days out of each month and I do I go to two schools or a school in a library I go to two locations and I generally do two shows at each location so in, a, in 10 days, I can, you know, I can do 40 shows. I usually do about 30 or so. So 10 months out of the year, I travel those 10 days and do those shows. And that's where I develop my new material. That's cool. And I book almost a year to two years in advance. So I can tell you what know. it's going to look like a year and a half from now. You <laughs> know, um, and then when I'm home... I love being home. I love my family. I love my neighborhood. 
and I love coffee. So I'm going to go to the coffee shop. I'm going to work on my stories, uh, my songs, and then I'm going to walk around with my backpack and my my laptop and I'm just going to stop different places and do my administrative work and then uh, I'm going to do it again the next day until I hit the road again. So that's my life. From, you know? from uh, teacher to uh, superstar best-selling author, Eric. That's <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you. That's... Hey, I'm going to be on tour for the Groovy Joe. Well, I'm on tour all the time, but I'm going to be on tour and there's a website called groovyjoestories.com. If you Google Groovy Joe, um, you'll find it. And uh, I hope people will come out to my concerts. And they can go to my website. Cool. And if I'm in your neighborhood, yes, sir. come to a show. It's going to be fun. We do singing and dancing. If you want to check out what it looks like, you can see the performance that Jack saw. There's an example from uh, Lincoln Center. Yes. Um, everything is interactive, literacy-based, and it's just good fun. That's awesome. Yeah, my, my six-year-old and I watched it this morning, and he thought it was really cool. So if you if you are within you know a day's driving distance, then that's uh, that's that's awesome. We'd love to come come see that for sure. So, um, let's see. Anything else you have going on that you want to kind of talk about or uh, anything else you want to tell, tell the listeners? There's going to be more Groovy Joe books. There's going to be Groovy Joe song books. Uh, one's coming out called If You're Groovy and You Know It. Um, there's going to be um, more musical books from me. There's a new CD coming out called Classical for Kiddos. Look for that in October. And people can uh, join me on Facebook and Twitter, um, on my web, on my newsletter. And we live in a, a, a different world now where we interact with each other more through social media. So I encourage people to, you know, sign up, join me on social media where I talk about um, interactive reading and literacy to ad nauseum. And uh, in addition, um, you know, if people want to uh, learn more about early literacy from this perspective, I have material written for them and uh, ideas that may be helpful. You are a hard-working man, Eric. It's, I mean, the amount of – you're talking about the amount of performances you do and the amount of things you're creating. And we've had um, other folks on, on our podcast before that are that same personality. Uh, they're just going to create because you have that spark, and I think it's awesome. Like we were I, talking about that, that mix of um, you have the intelligence behind what you're doing and the knowledge behind it and the creativity and that combination is killer. And you it's know, a, like... intentional and it's intentional what you're doing, which is awesome. So, but. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. And, and thank you for inviting me on to your program. This is fun. I really think uh, the world has changed and shows like this. I don't even watch regular TV anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I, <laughs> I, I enjoy uh, these type of broadcasts for people who have similar interests can share ideas with yes. each other. Um, it's much more personal. 
Um, I, I really appreciate being on your program, and uh, I hope we can do it again sometime. In, anytime you want to. So. Yeah, thank you for coming on and talking with us. We really enjoyed it. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, that was a great episode and a great interview with Eric Litwin. On the Horror Movie Podcast, folks, if this is the first time you're listening to a midweek, what we do normally is we talk about, you know, the topics that might go along with that movie. Well, this week's movie is actually, it has nothing to do with Eric Litwin uh, at all. Can I think of a further movie away from Eric Litwin? No. It's Paul Blart, uh, Mall Cop 2. Paul Blart 2. Um, and on this episode, Jared Chester and I talk about um, some awesome stuff. And we talk about Paul Blart 2. Um, and again, on a midweek episode, we normally will play the trailer from that movie. So, Producer Phil, have you got it queued up? I do. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen. Paul Blart 2. Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2. After six years. Mr. Alert. Here's a map of the property. Don't need it. It's already been scanned. Locked and loaded. Sir, yeah. That way. Had that upside down when I scanned it. That's why. It's on you. Ha <laughs> 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 Paul Blart is finally getting a vacation. known to dabble. He's riding a Segway here. Missed it. Physical comedy. Yes. This April. Come on, Dad. It's a vacation. Try to enjoy it. <laughs> okay. Someone's taking down the hotel. There's like espionage going on. A hero is never off duty. Your uniform as requested, Officer Blart. We don't need any backup, Blart. Is that the CIA? Neither do I. Um, it's no, it's uh, casino security. Ah. If being a security officer was easy, anybody could do it. <laughs> it takes a certain breed. Someone who has spidey senses. He ran into the wall again, or the glass again. We are trained to detect, deter, observe, and report. Kevin James. But there's one man who goes above and beyond. Oh, sweet mercy. <laughs> I'm so sorry, ma'am. Are you going to want turn down service? <laughs> Paul Blart 2. He punched his grandma. Oh, cop. Uh, uh, uh. You know what you just did? Jay walked in a business district, sir. Actually, it's uh, officer. Still giving me a ticket? I'm going to give you my phone number in case you want to grab a drink sometime. I don't drink. But a do ride. Oh. oh, and he got kicked into a car. More, more physical comedy. There you go. So that's the uh, movie for this Friday. Um, I feel like 80% of that movie is just going to be him falling. Oh, it's what Kevin James was built on. <laughs> um, so anyway, Paul Bart 2, I hope you enjoyed the Eric Ledwin's interview. It was a great job. Laurie Chester did a phenomenal job. Um, I would say I did a phenomenal phenomenal job, but it's kind of weird for me to say that. So. Jack, you did a phenomenal job Thanks, on Phil. that interview. Uh, I'm patting myself on the back right now, 
And oh, oh, I hurt my arm. I broke my arm patting myself on the back. Okay. <laughs> um, thanks for tuning in, guys. You know where to find us on the old iTunes and everywhere else on the internet. Um, yep. Tune in on Friday for Paul Blart. Mall Cop 2. This time, Las Vegas is where he's going to be at. That's not be a bad tagline. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. The Horrible Movie Podcast is powered by RevolverPodcast.com and Orange Tie Web Design Marketing and Branding. The Horrible Movie Podcast can be heard on great stations like 105.5 KFGM in Missoula, Montana, from Missouri to Missoula, 88.1 KZGM, South Central Missouri's public radio station, and weekly contributions on KPOV 88.9 High Desert Community Radio. Listen to us on iTunes, TheHorribleMoviePodcast.com, RevolverPodcast.com, and anywhere podcasts are found. 